What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Always Hope Podcast, a production of Willwood's Faith and Marriage. This is Dr. Mario Sakas, and I pray that you're having an amazing day today. Okay, have you ever thought about what is a Catholic psychotherapy? I mean, how does it influence both research and practice? Now, again, I I know that I am a therapist, and so this question comes to me often in my imagination, but have you ever thought about it? Like, why does that exist? Why should that even exist? Well, joining me on the show today to answer those questions and to get into a wonderful conversation about what Catholic psychotherapy is are Dr. Matthew Brunninger, who is the Assistant Professor of Psychology and Director of Teaching Excellence at Franciscan University of Steubenville. We're also joined by Mr. Larry Freeney, who is the Lead Parish Counselor and Associate Director of Education and Assessments at Rejoice Counseling Apostle in Houston, Texas. Both of these gentlemen are on the task force committee of the Catholic Psychotherapy Association as they are setting out to develop their first professional journal called Integratus. The Journal for Catholic Psychotherapy. So in today's episode, we dive deep into this conversation. We talk about the different levels of integrating the faith into psychotherapy and psychology, the importance of language and how the Catholic intellectual tradition often has different meanings for words and constructs than what is used in modern secular psychology, the importance of love as the central marker of understanding what a Catholic psychotherapy is, and the need for an academic journal that gives space for this type of research and inquiry. Well, when the show is done, please, if you have found this episode helpful, please leave a rating or write a review on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, share it on the socials, or simply tell a friend about it. Spread the word and love that you have found in today's episode, please. All right, everybody, let's get into this conversation with Mr. Freeney and Dr. Brunninger. Dr. Matthew Brunninger and Larry Feeney, welcome to the Always So Podcast. Gentlemen, how are you guys doing today? I'm doing blessed and highly favored, and I can't complain. Blessed and highly favored, man. That's probably the best answer I've received so far of almost three years of doing this show. That's fantastic. Well done. Thanks, Larry, for sharing that. Matt. I'm doing well. Doing well. <laughs> Just well. Just well. Coming in under the bar. <laughs> I'm okay. I'm okay. I guess I'll throw that in my. I'm, I'm just fine today, also. So it's all I don't know how to beat that. So I'm doing all right. Yeah. <laughs> I feel outnumbered here because you know I'm I'm doing great. You know life is, is looking up. And, and it was not a competition. I'm just throwing it out. There. I will say, for what it's worth, it is like Armageddon in my household right now. We have a stomach bug going through the house. Mm-hmm. It is like, so 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 doing good is, it feels that feels like doing great. <laughs> like where I would normally say I'm doing great, like doing good is we are, it is like the dominoes are falling one by one. So I, well, I'm God here. bless you. Yeah. yeah well, well it's, it's good. Yeah. You're here and it's, and it's good that you, we're doing the show remotely also. So you don't Agreed. have to, you don't have to spread those germs, you know, along the way. So Agreed, <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. all right, well, we're going to have a, a wonderful conversation today. So I guess just, let's just take a moment to introduce yourselves to the audience. It'd be wonderful. Um, Larry, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you got going on in Texas. Uh, my name is Larry Freeney. I'm a PhD candidate, which means I've completed all my coursework and I have this little book called a dissertation. ABD, baby. And, uh, ABD. Once, <laughs> you know, you know, maybe, maybe I can add that to the, I could be PhD ABD. It sounds really cool. Yeah, you could like, been. Oh, is that a, like <laughs> another, another certification? And I was like, no, no, it's not. Um, licensed professional counselor, national certified counselor, an accredited financial counselor, a candidate. Um, I'm a father of two, a two-year-old and a two-month-old, so I know all about those uh, stomach bugs. I, mm-hmm. We had one of those about a month ago. We do not want another one. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. thank you, Matthew, for being uh, far away. <laughs> Rem- remote. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah, so uh, 
yeah, that's me. Great. Matt. Yeah, uh, my name is Dr. Matt Bruniger. Uh, I'm a clinical psychologist. I uh, did a master's degree in theology from Ave Maria University uh, down in Naples, Florida. And then I did my uh, doctoral work at Baylor um, in Waco, Texas. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I'm a licensed clinical psychologist in the state of Ohio, and uh, I teach full-time at Franciscan University in the psych department, um, do a little bit of research, teaching, small private practice, um, and stay busy. I have, a, have we have six kids, and um, so a big, big full life, but um, a good life. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Praise yeah. the Lord. Living the dream. Living yeah. the dream. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, God bless you both and and the service that you're you're offering and, and the work that you're doing. Um, it seems that what has brought us all together today is is certainly just the Catholic Psychotherapy Association, and so now's a nice opportunity to give a little plug to CPA and uh, the good work that it does in terms of being able to be a, a professional um, membership, I guess, for Catholic, you know, minded uh, psychotherapists across the various licensures and and um, and you know whether it's. Um, licensed psychologists or psychiatrists or LPCs, LMFTs, LSCSWs, mm -hmm. um, just bringing us all together, you know, beyond just kind of these professional silos that sometimes exist, uh, but really just wanting to have a resource to give people an opportunity to know what this means, you know, to, to really integrate uh, faith within the work of, of, of psychotherapy. And, mm -hmm. uh, and so that's what we're going to be talking about today. So, you know, my listeners know that this issue of integration is something that um, I certainly care about, you know, deep, deep, deeply. And over the course of my career, um, in the 15 plus years that I've been a, a licensed therapist, um, I've seen the errors. I'm, I've seen I've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. You know, of what kind of mm -hmm. Catholic psychotherapy kind of looks like, um, where I've seen. Or just not even psych Catholic psychotherapy. I've seen, you know, on the secular side, or too more too far on the spiritual side, and always just trying to honor both the strength of the science, together with the strength of our faith, and yeah. feeling that when we're operating out of both of those, uh, that that we're doing our best. Um, so I guess really where I would like to start, and and, and maybe we can let the professor go first. Um, sure. it, you know, just let us know a little bit about how would you define. Um, Catholic psychology, I guess, or Catholic psychotherapy, however we want to use that, Catholic mental health. Sure. And where do you really see, you know, Matt, the, the, what does that mean to you in terms of yeah. seeing integration uh, between the two? Yeah, I think, I think it's important to, um, to acknowledge that in, in a lot of ways, um, our Protestant brothers and sisters have been doing this for much longer explicitly in the field of counseling and psychology than we have. And so, I mean, since at least the 70s, you have uh, Protestant Christians taking this notion of, of what it means to integrate pretty seriously. And there's been some, they put out some some really interesting work, uh, sort of the, the handbook on this is a book called The Five Views, um, Integrating Christianity and Psychology. And so, look, there's a couple of different ways of thinking about integration that range maybe from what we, we think about as sort of really, really weak integration to really strong integration. And so you might say something like, maybe the weakest form of integration is just a sheer recognition that God is the creator of all, right? All good comes from God, all truth comes from God. And so anytime we discover something true in psychology, anytime we discover something true in um, theology, anytime we discover something true in biology, all truth is God's truth. And so 
so that's sort of like maybe the weakest level of integration is just saying like when we discover the truth of something in psychology that something works or that you know these are the mechanisms behind depression the the cognitive or, or biological mechanisms behind depression that that is god's truth all truth is god's truth and so god is sort of implicitly bound up in any truth that we discover across disciplines and that's certainly a, sort of a way of thinking that god is integrated somehow our faith is integrated and, but it, it's sort of i think the weakest form uh, another level of integration is something like studying religious things using the secular tools and methods of psychology and so we take the empirical sciences and the tools and methods of empirical science and we just turn them towards religious topics right and so that there's a certain way of thinking about integration in that way so um, i'm interested in um you know forgiveness or something like this so i i do studies on forgiveness or i'm interested in god attachment how we feel like our sort of um, emotional or socio-emotional connection to God, our sense of security in God. So I take the tools of empirical science and I just apply it to God attachment. And attachment, by the way, right, is even a concept that comes out of John Bowlby in the, in the psychology literature. So I, I take the psychology and I aim it at sort of a religious topic. That's a sort of another level of integration. Um, but then you have maybe what, what might be what we consider or I consider the height of integration, which is something like developing tools and methods that are appropriate to the topic we're studying and, and, and also recognizing that uh, what we might be studying from a Catholic perspective has different definitions or nuances, right? So, so rather than defining forgiveness the way um, some of the secular uh, literature defines it, we might actually define, if we're doing like Catholic psychology, we might define forgiveness differently, right? Which means we're going to measure it differently. Or we might, we might measure gratitude differently, right? In a lot of the secular literature, gratitude recognizes the gift and the receiver, but sort of in the Catholic intellectual tradition, traditionally, gratitude always recognizes the gift giver as well. God being the gift giver. And so sort of the height of integration for us as Catholics might be recognizing that we need to redefine some terms. We need to, we shouldn't be afraid to um, import the rich intellectual tradition, uh, the rich spiritual tradition, uh, its definitions, its concepts, its nuances, and bring those into this arena and then try to find methods and tools appropriate to measuring those. And and they may overlap with, with what sort of secular psychology does, but we may need some tools or, or uh, instruments that uh, require some innovation. Um, and so I, I, think, I think there's a spectrum of what we think about when we think about integration, sort of weak integration all the way up to this, we're developing our own programs of research based on concepts that are particular to Catholicism and how we understand relationships and happiness. I mean, you guys are, are both familiar with positive psychology and the work by Martin Seligman. He talks about virtues. This was a big deal, you know, like mm -hmm. when Seligman started talking about virtue 
in psychology. It's like we never heard of it before. Never heard of it, right? Like <laughs> Aristotle was doing this 2,500 years ago, right? And You're all like, of a oh, sudden, virtue, virtues yeah, are vir good for happiness. Who thought? Exactly, right? And, <laughs> but even how he defines virtues. I mean, if you, if you really start to, to dig into some of his definitions of what virtues are and what happiness is, he has a different understanding of virtue and happiness than we do in the Catholic intellectual tradition. And so that means that if we're trying to apply his research to our lives as Catholics, it can shed some light, certainly it can shed some light, and it, it moves the ball forward in the field of psychology in a way that is really uh, helpful to us. But it doesn't capture the full picture or the robustness of virtue, of happiness, of well-being, of flourishing. It doesn't capture the fullness of it that we have. And so I think if we want to study flourishing, our definitions should look different than Seligman's. And so, so in some ways, I think there's a really ex exciting time to be Catholic psychologists because we have an opportunity here to really think about how do we think about integration? Um, what do we think the levels of integration are? And how do we come up with a program of research and, and um, advance this sort of stronger integration that I think is really exciting? That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. I mean, really great in terms of thinking of, thinking of it conceptually in terms of these three levels of mm -hmm. at the base, just God is present and any truth that is revealed is, is a revelation of God yeah. and taking the tools of that science has given to us and, and applying that to religious things. You talked about uh, attachment theory related to pertaining to God or forgiveness research, um, you know, any of that specifically. And, and I've had uh, um, Everett Worthington on the show also. Just oh, to yeah, you sure. So I had yeah. him on previously. So if the listeners want to go back and listen to that one on self-forgiveness, that was a great episode. And he's but one then, of these guys who's involved, Joe Mario, in, in yeah. really pushing the ball forward in, in the Protestant world and yep. thinking about what integration should be. Yeah, yeah absolutely. No, he's phenomenal. It was, it, was, yeah. it, was, yeah. it was a gift to have him on the show for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. He was so generous and, and he didn't need to be, but he was great. Yeah. So and, and, then, and then this last piece you're talking about, like how a Catholic – psychology, a Catholic lens, isn't just about taking what the science says, but really kind of saying, can we think about these concepts a little bit differently? Because our, our Catholic intellectual tradition gives us a similar language, but maybe a more nuanced language on some of these theological or psychological concepts, like psychology, for example, using that as an example of how do we define how we define virtue and yes. how Seligman's work defines, defines virtue, virtue is going to be a little bit different. different. Absolutely. Um, but that difference is... is is okay, um, but if we're going to apply or approach it specifically from a Catholic perspective, then that means that we 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 have to push research or push information in a direction that captures that from the get go, from the ground up, yeah. as opposed to kind of this you know mashing of the two. Is, is that's that, right. That's what you're saying, right? I, I think that's right. Yeah, and I think that means that we might too have to um, sometimes find ways of measuring and capturing those constructs. You know, there, there are certain constructs that are really difficult to measure and capture um, empirically based on the very nature of the thing you're you're measuring. And so what I mean is like intellectual humility. Here, here's a great one that's really hard to capture. Um, intellectual asking, humility, what's what's that? <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, I mean, right. It's like uh, when you find intellectually humble people, right? Yeah. Um, uh, it, it That is a very tricky thing, right, to, to measure because they're gonna under-report their, their own capacities and abilities. Uh, because they're humble, and and so so, um, 
and the truth is what they do is intellectually humble people recognize the truth of their their intelligence but in light of like god in light of and so they they tend to rate themselves lower than those of us who are sort of less holy um and so and so they look less humble um and so how do you how do we begin to find a, a method of measuring things like this and so it might be that, um it might be much more important sort of like to find people around them that recognize them as such right uh, uh, rather than trying to do self-report um actually looking to those around them and asking people around them here are the marks of what we think intellectual humility is do you think this person meets those marks right and that would sort of be a novel way of in some ways doing research around this this concept or topic but we need to find methods appropriate to our definitions of how things work and so the common tools like self-report right might not always work so larry i mean i'm what Matt just said, obviously, was a lot there. Um, so any thoughts that you have about how you would, I mean, not even just piggybacking off him, but even in yourself, how, how do you see this, this, this integration of psychology, counseling? I mean, there's so many words that we can use, mental health, all of that, um, together with, 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 with uh, the Catholic tradition. Honestly, where we are today, I would see it as being done backwards, right? We think of integration as something that happens afterwards. But to me, the faith is the fundamental DNA of everything that we do. And so instead of, it's kind of after the fact, we're like, hey, maybe we should be able to put faith in here or put our, our, our Catholic traditions or our virtues into it, rather than it being the very DNA through which counseling and psychology was created. We look at it as God is the unmoved mover. And the fact that he loved us first allows us to love in response. So God is the voice and we are the echo. So you hear love, 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 right? Those low loves, that's us, right? And without that primary voice, without that first voice, there is no response. And it's through that response that we learn to love ourselves. God loves us. So in response, it's only natural. It's the natural response is to love him. And then through that love is to love ourselves. So we get an understanding of who we are because God loves us. And through that love, it kind of shapes who we are. But then when we get an idea of who God says we are, right, because he's the one who loves us, then we get a better idea of who we are. Now, our idea of who we are will never match God's idea of who we are, right? That's something that we strive for. And it's, it's we're going to be the imperfect reflection of God. But it's through that love that we have for God and that love of ourselves that we can then expand that love to others. And to me, this is the heart of what Catholic counseling or Catholic psychology is. It's really taking that fundamental truth that we all come from God and our relation with each other and this fundamental understanding of this powerful force called love comes from that very nature, that dynamic of that relationship. So for me, right, as, as Matt was going through the different kind of levels of integration, right? To me, the ultimate form of integration is where we don't even have to think about it as being integrated. It's just naturally in the DNA. It's already there. So me, I'm a counselor now that I've integrated all of my education, my gifts, my skills, what I've learned, the supervision, but my blood, my DNA is not something that I can, I can change, right? It's just kind of born with it. I, I didn't get to say, I didn't get to choose. And so for me, the ultimate understanding of Catholic psychology or counseling would be for it to be Christ at the center and not even think about it. 
the fact that you know we have to think about it now shows that we're kind of doing it retroactively but in a, a perfect world right it, it, we would already have that imbued and that's what i would like to see going further is not that oh that is just that's catholic counseling or oh that's catholic psychology instead why can't it just be psychology why can't it just be counseling and it's just this beautiful realization because we are holistic beings you can't just serve a person's mental health right without taking in consideration their spiritual health their physical health and their emotional health they're all intimately integrated right and when we do that we do a disservice right it's like working with counseling with somebody and you take them out of their relationships you take them out of their environment and you put them in this sterile lab all right you're good to go but we throw them right back into that environment so i think for us the main thing and if you look at any research it talks about the biggest impact that we can have on positive therapeutic outcome is the therapeutic alliance the therapeutic relationship right the client's going to bring their hope they're going to bring their biases and their beliefs into the session but it's really that relationship that we form that ability that we get to act in the person of christ through that love and understanding that really has the biggest impact on the counseling outcome yeah so okay uh Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. So you're saying in terms of not doing it backwards, uh, which is that, uh, well, d- d- explain that to me a little bit more. What, do, what did you mean by that? When you say, do you think that, what do you, what, is, what do you mean when you're saying that you think that we're doing it backwards? I think we're doing it backwards means that we do, we learn the counseling skills and then we learn, oh, here's the faith, but let's integrate it rather than the faith already being a part of the process. Right. Mm-hmm. So at every class that we're in, right, especially all my classes are in English. That's all I speak. Right. So we don't have to go over that. Oh, this is going to be in English. Right. We just know. Right. It's integrated into the program. So this is a big piece is finding a way to inherently have those those Catholic virtues in the program. So instead of trying to, oh, let's fit this into this counseling profession, it naturally evolves and grows with it systemically from the inside outwards, right? Because the external is always a reflection of the internal. If there's chaos, if there's misalignment internally, it'll be mirrored externally. So finding a way, I don't have the perfect answer of how that would look, but that's just something that I've been pulled towards is having it so that it is just counseling. Yeah, I mean, it. it they, like when you start any psych one-on-one class, it, it all begins with Freud. And, uh, and right. Freud is kind of the beginning of, of uh, modern psychology. And so Freud was not on board with anything you would have just said. You know, that's, that's, and that's, that becomes the standing point from, uh, from, from our, our, uh, our professional kind of literature. And then since then, you've seen religion. You know, Martin Seligman, we talked about him again. He was not, even though he's not a Christian or necessarily practicing believer, he was not one to dismiss the power of religion or faith in people's lives and would speak highly of, of, of the good that's there. And, um, and even a more contemporary individual that we see somebody like Jordan Peterson, who is, who is incredibly popular, but he's not, I mean, when you ask him if he believes in God, he says, you know, I, I act as if God exists is the best answer he can, he can, he can offer because that's all coming from his own intellectual tradition, you know, in his Jungian sense of self is, is that's the, that's the, that's as far as he can go. So it, it is that there is this this modern scientific notion of starting from an atheistic perspective and kind of we're trying to bring faith into it. Mm-hmm. But I think I like what both of you are saying here, which is that, and I'm going to add my own piece to this, which is if we really understand the, the Catholic intellectual tradition and we see this, 
the study of the human person didn't begin with Sigmund Freud. That's right. Like the study, the study of of how to help people through their problems didn't begin with Sigmund Freud either. I oh mean, like, th- exactly. Oh gosh. Oh yeah. no. Like we hope yeah. not. Right. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. like, like these things go way, 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 way yeah. back. And even in the spiritual traditions of the church, we can, we can yes. go even into the, the early desert fathers. Absolutely. I mean, third century, fourth century, early, early Christendom, where they, the, the first language that this is the first time this language started emerging of like the seven capital vices or the Absolutely. seven demons. But the demons in the more in the context of the seven, um, the monks, the, the monastic tradition will speak to like the seven oppressive thoughts. Mm-hmm. You know, the, this notion that mm-hmm. that there's this there's this battle that's happening interiorly that we have to be attention, we have to pay attention to. And the goal of of peace or apatheia, you know, f- without suffering, is is really a battle of of the interior life, one of yeah. of 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 both emotional but cognitive kind of awareness and understanding of how these different narratives or thoughts that that we have are pulling at us and different directions. So, so we go way, way, way back in the history, you know, that this tradition has, has been lost and, and needs to be kind of reclaimed to some degree. So I, I like the notion of, of saying from the ground up, we need to have kind of a, a a Catholic understanding. Um, but we also need to play in the real world. I hate to say it that way, you know, like we also need to play in in the, I shouldn't say the real world, but in the secular world as well with licenses and all of this. Um, but I, I'm going to stop here, Matt. I, I, I know you, I can see your, your thoughts are, are turning. What, what, no, what I, I, look, I love what you're saying. I, and, and I agree with Larry. Like, what, I think we should, I'm not advocating for a, um, our faith shouldn't be like a, like a, an external thing. We just lump on the psychology that we're doing. Right. I mean, that might be one way of thinking about integration. I'm sure, I'm sure it is. Um, but that again, would be sort of a weak form of integration. I think, I think what Larry's talking about and what I'm sympathetic to is a form of integration that um, doesn't, you know, the faith isn't just a tumor we sort of latch onto the side of our clinical practice, but it's something that informs from the very uh, start how I sit with somebody, the types of interventions I'm likely to recommend, um, how I think about forgiveness, love, this sort of thing. Um, but I, I, Mario, to your point, I mean, there's such rich that, that we've lost there's such rich resources in the faith going all the way back to the desert fathers um and they're thoughtful right they're thoughtful they recognize that emotions are really strong and powerful and that they can pull us and drag us and so sometimes they give very practical advice like hey stand up and get a glass of water you know what i mean like take a break chill out man right saint thomas um has a sort of famous in, in his summa he talks about melancholy and he's like, look, sometimes you just need a glass of wine and a bath and a warm bath. That's enough. Yeah. Like that is like not over spiritualizing things. Right. That's, that's somebody who's attuned to the fact that, um, we are, we are body and soul composite. Right. And so there are times when we're, we're attending to, um, the, the emotions or passions. There's time we're attending to the needs of the body. There's times we're attending to the spiritual dimension. What I, what I'm excited about just in this conversation is even as you hear me talk, as you hear Larry talk, what CPA needs, what, what, what the Catholic counseling and therapy world needs is these robust discussions to be happening so that we can formulate and tighten our respective thoughts and begin to develop them. Like, and so, so Larry said, and, and I agree with him in some ways, what does this look like practically? That's like a really tough question, but we need to start and, and we need to have a place where we can begin to think about very seriously what does it look like for this stuff to be spelled out practically? Um, 
And that's one of the exciting things about these types of conversations and about the Catholic Psychotherapy Association is I have people in my life now who I can wrestle with and, and say, yeah, but what about this? Or what about what St. Thomas says? Or what about what Augustine thinks? Or what about how much do we take concupiscence and, and sin into the picture? How much how much should these things in, influence or shape the way we think about well-being or psychological functioning and flourishing? Or how much should prayer, the Eucharist, or the sacraments, how might they work? How These are really... Um, interesting and important discussions that we should be having and CPA offers a place to begin having these uh, so that we can actually put flesh on the bone here because I think a lot of us have been sort of doing things on our own and coming up with our own, our own ideas but unlike sort of the the Protestant world where they've begin to systematize these things and write books about them and really say this is my this is my model take it or leave it but i've thought this through really well and i've gotten some feedback and disagreement and we haven't done that yet in the catholic psychology and counseling world um the modern catholic psychology and counseling world so i'm excited about that possibility and as scripture says right as iron sharpens iron a man shall sharpen another man and you know our society so not only are these types of conversations countercultural because they're catholic but they're countercultural because they're they're thinking on that which transcends our experience of the human condition yeah. right when we're in a world that is has the attention span of a goldfish right these are the conversations that will really teach our brain how to do what it loves to do best which is yeah. think yep. right in our art right at the very beginning art like especially during the, the the dark ages the purpose of art was to connect to the divine to connect and to ex express that which was ineffable and so it's really getting back to those truths. It's really getting back to that moment of having these conversations. And it's, it's, wow, this is a conversation that I really have to wrestle with, right? This is a conversation that really resonates with me as a person deeper into my soul. And it's something that's going to allow me to grow and to develop and to flourish as we work through this. Hey everybody, this is Dr. Marius Acasa, just taking a quick break from my conversation here about Catholic psychotherapy to encourage you to check out Dating Well. If you are a single person who just got out of a relationship and wants to understand what happened in that relationship, Dating Well is for you. If you are a couple that's trying to assess the health of your current relationship, Dating Well is for you. If you are single and looking towards the future and want to know what you need to do to set yourself up for success in your future relationship, Dating Well is for you. Dating Well is an online course. Think of it like a master class on dating that has 19 video lessons helping you kind of cover every nook and cranny of what dating is and what it should and shouldn't be. It'll help you in your discernment process to understand how to bring forth an understanding of your own heart and your prayer and to bring all of that into the dating experience. So Dating Well is a great resource that is available for you. Check it out at faithandmarriage.org. All right, so I have a couple thoughts here that as we kind of keep this conversation, this is great. So something that you said, Matt, um, that I want to kind of spin off here in a couple yeah. of different areas. First is yeah. the, that highest level of integration where you're saying that we should be open to allowing our definitions of some of these quote unquote psychological traits to emerge yeah. and to be yeah. part of this conversation. Yeah. And, and there already is within the literature a, a precedence for disagreement on certain terms. Yeah, yeah. So for example, um, this show's about hope, and that's the name of the show, Always Hope. And I have a lecture series that I've done that integrates the psychological understanding of hope with yes. our theological understanding yes. of hope. 
And but even within just the psychology itself, the psychological literature about hope, you get very different definitions of how we def- how psychologists or counselors how the how the mental health profession defines hope. So otherwise, Barbara Fredrickson's work that looks at it as part of one of the you know the the ten positive emotions, mm-hmm. or Rick Snyder's work that looks at it in terms of um, you know kind of future oriented, goal oriented. Um, and so, th- so even here, we're, we're seeing in others that, that, that just won't have time to get into all of it, yeah. but we're, we're seeing that even within the literature, well, the definitions, the differences between hope and optimism, you know, that's Martin Seligman's work also that gets into that, that we, we can see that there's, there's debate that needs to happen around some of these terms um, that to say, well, if there's a, if there's a Catholic understanding of this, then, then does that have its own? Does that have a place within this larger conversation? Yes. Um, and I think the answer is, we would say, of course, yes. You know, yes. we would we would want it to be part of the conversation. Um, so then, when we look at a concept like hope, for example, I'm using that as because that's where my my personal kind of interests lie. Yeah. Um, but there are many others. Obviously, we could talk about attachment or relationships or any mm-hmm. other stuff. But but mm-hmm. just looking at this specifically, we can see that there's a lot of different definitions that are there. And so, a Catholic definition should should be able to fit, you know, within this in terms of recognizing that that it's okay we can we can have this nuance we can have this kind of level of discussion about about these different things is that absolutely. it's kind of what you're saying yeah absolutely and I, I mean when you think about I mean think about marriage think about intimacy think about um, our Catholic vision of the human person and our uh, our very sort of orientation toward making a, a self gift right to another um, you know this comes out of we're, we're seeing it explicated more by the theology of the body stuff and jp2 stuff but we, to, to be able to formulate a research program around this mm-hmm. and to be able to use the terms and definitions um, of intimacy as we understand them as catholics and to to put our, our hat in the ring and say look we think that some of these definitions in the secular world are thin we think that they're a bit thin they don't they don't have the the robustness or the thickness of some of the concepts and 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 uh terms that we have and so look um not everyone's going to buy it not everyone's going to like it but we have a space and there have been people you know you mentioned this mario there's been people now for i don't know 30 years or so that have been pushing the idea that religion and spirituality are an integral part of man's life and they're they're good for them you're right like freud freud early psychology was hostile to to religion um and viewed it as as a neuroses um as a coping mechanism as a defense we're now seeing that it actually is good for for human beings. We see a ton of positive outcomes for those who are engaged in religious and spiritual activities. Tons. And those those pioneers have sort of opened up a place for us now to begin to to um, put our hat in the ring in in more uh, sort of assertive ways. Let, let's think about intimacy as we as we define it within a Catholic worldview. Um, and so now we now we have a little bit of an opening, and I think it's the time to capitalize on this opening. Um, and so there, there's a lot of great work to be done. I think a lot of great work to be done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so I guess you know, I'll, the, yeah, this is great. This is great because my brain's got a lot of stuff going on right now. So the, then the question, okay, so within terms of the Catholic conversation into the yeah. world, obviously it has yeah. a, it has a place in that, and I think we're we're all kind of saying that. But then. You know, you said earlier in terms of models in in developing different models, and I think this yeah. is maybe sometimes where I don't know how to say this appropriately here, but sometimes 
are, are Catholics, we want to find like the way. Oh, and dude. so, so, so then when, when somebody creates a model, it quickly becomes the yeah. model. No. It, oh. <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? Do well, you know no, this, I, is, this is my <laughs> hobby horse, man. I, one of the big things I despise uh, across, it's not just in the Catholic world, right? It, we see it everywhere, but mm-hmm. it's, it's when, um, it's when somebody says, look, if you don't know X, then you just, man, you don't even know what you're missing out on. And it's always the the therapeutic modality that they espouse, right? That's right. Um, but what we found, right, and what the, I think the literature, Larry mentioned this, like the best predictor of, of positive outcomes in psychotherapy is the therapeutic alliance. Mm-hmm. Like the, the agreement on tax, tasks, goals, and the bond between a client and a therapist. And what they found, and, you know, it's commonly called the dodo bird conjecture, um, referencing Alice in Wonderland when the dodo bird says, you know, everyone wins and all should all have prizes. What they find is that among sort of the, the conventional psychotherapies, for the most part, none of them outperform the others That's in right. outcome. Oh, right? Are and you so, saying that CBT is not the end-all be-all? Yeah, right, <laughs> right, 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 right. I mean, That's almost sacrilege. I know, listen, but people die on these hills, right? And, and people also die on other hills, right? Oh, if you don't know EMDR, then you're not doing trauma therapy. Like, Look, the beauty here, Mario, is that um, we don't have to, I, I I really like to get across the point that different things work for different people. Um, just because I have a model um, does not mean that this is the end all be all. It means it's my way of thinking something through. Um, and this way of thinking something through might provide some clarity for you, but it might not. And if it doesn't, it's totally okay. Yeah, and so my my point of this, and and Larry, I want to hear your insight in this as well, is that when we start raising it to a Catholic model, we just have to recognize that it's exactly that, that it's just a a model that fits within a Catholic framework. But it's it's not the same thing as like dogmatic theology. Yeah, it's not inerrant. Yeah, exactly, exactly. We're trying to say that there can be, because in the complexity of the person, and this we know also, you know, is that like something, it, 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 different models certainly as you said are all more or less the same in terms of their effectiveness but some maybe work a little bit better with with others and exactly. each each theoretical orientation kind of knows or should be aware of its own limitations even in the attachment theory sue johnson will say very clearly what her limits are with eft or something Absolutely. of that nature um so larry what, what do you think about this this notion of kind of if we create these catholic models um how do we resist i guess not um overly sanctifying them or making them become like the thing um, where it's just a, a version, a, a way, but it's not necessarily the way. What do you think about that? I think it's definitely as our human endeavors, we, as we alluded to earlier, that there's a portion of truth found throughout history across cultures. And, and even in other religions, there's that pointing towards God. They're just going on a, a different way. And so here it's kind of the same thing. You want to keep it at the core, right? You want to keep that, intrinsic value of another person, treating them with that dignity of respect, being a reflection of Christ's love to people, right? And so kind of removing the any of the selfishness, the pride out of the way, and just allowing that love that God has for individuals to really pour out. And the beautiful part of this is, you know, Christ on the cross, right? Is, you know, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing, right? And I say that I'm glad Christ is Christ and I am not, because as soon as you hit me once with a whip, I'm done. Like we we are done. We're not, we're not doing this. But it's really during that time we were most unlovable that God showed us love. It shows that decision. It shows that that intention. Right. And so I think that's our counseling can't be 
just this second nature thing. It has to be intentional. We can't rely on our habits. We can't rely on our comfortability because that's when we get sloppy and that's when we're not present. So it's really about consistently holding yourself to that ability and staying in the perpetual present, not being in the past, not being in the future, but being here in that vulnerable psychological space with somebody and allowing them to share their story and being there with them because most clients that I've had, there's that, there's that authentic need of human connection and they have inauthentic relationships or they have relationships that aren't fulfilling. And it's just so surprising how much just sitting in a room with somebody and giving them space to talk, giving them space to be, how healing that can be. Right. So yeah, I think, because at, at, yeah. at, an, at an inherently Catholic level, and you're, you're getting very practical here, and I appreciate that, just this notion that um, it, when we accompany others, that's that's part of our faith, that's part of our tradition. When we enter into somebody else's compassion, when we enter into somebody, if somebody else's suffering, and we offer compassion, we're together with them, we are bringing certainly Christ to them and, and, and walking with them. Um, and so, again, just recognizing that this is the fundamental aspect of what we do as therapists is, is, is precisely that. Whatever fear we build on top of that, going back to what we said earlier, we don't do this backwards. We start from a position of love and, and, and respect. Like I always, I've, I told this to my supervisees and I really feel that, I mean, in myself, it's, like it's always a privilege when somebody comes to us and shares their deepest, darkest secrets, stuff that they don't tell mm-hmm. their own mama, you know I mean? And mm-hmm. they're coming to us that... You know, it's it's there's something sacred in that when when somebody because this is another human person made in the image yeah. likeness of God who's yeah. choosing to open up to to me just because I have some titles and I have a couple years of you know studying under my belt, yeah. um, you know, and so so there's always that element there, but okay, so I want to I want to transition then all right to yeah. to the second part that we need to talk about, which is you guys are part of the task force that that's um, starting a new journal. Uh, and really the first professional journal for the Catholic Psychotherapy Association. Yeah. Um, the journal's called Integritus, if I'm saying it correctly, right? Integratus. Oh, geez, yeah. I got it no, wrong. I was close. See, I was so I close, man. failed Latin. That's Latin's it. a dead language. That's Nobody, it. don't worry about it. Yeah. In, say it again, Integratus, that's it. Yeah, that's right. Um, it could have just been called the Journal of Catholic Psychotherapy. Why didn't we just call it that? Why, why keep, <laughs> you, could, you couldn't keep with the branding of the CPA. Listen, just I think. See, nobody think asked new, me. Nobody, <laughs> nobody emailed me. I would have been like, just call it the Journal of Catholic Psychotherapy. Actually, like, I, I think now it's called Integratus, comma the, or colon the Journal of Catholic Psychotherapy. It's something a, like that. Yeah, yeah. That's what it should be because it's yeah. it, it, it ties with Catholic yes. Psychotherapy Association yes. and kind of keeping the name together. But anyways, okay, that's besides yeah. the point. There's my my little rant. I wanted to get in there yeah. at some point today. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, uh, the, the journal, the journal, um, the the new um, actual press we're going through was like, hey, maybe you should put like like a little this English is. in there. Let them yeah, know yeah. what it is. You yeah, know, yeah. yeah. Just so. tell us what it is exactly. Yeah, yeah, tell yeah. us what it's about. Oh, because you I, mean, be I think that's or do you want to be? You yeah, know, that's right. No, but that's, that's important right. actually. No, no, because because this goes back to what I was saying earlier is that sometimes we can we can think that Catholicism is a brand yeah. and and like, and I don't like thinking of the church as a brand. It's not like it's a club that we're all part of. And so you have to have the right language to be able to get access to the information. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, not, yeah, that's yeah, not yeah, the yeah. way the church works. The church is that's supposed right. to be doors wide open. Yeah. Um, you know, everybody's welcome. And so we, we want to make sure that our language, if, if we're going to represent the church in an academic journal, that yeah. that language opens up, not inclusive is such a buzzword, but, but, but it is open to yeah. to the world and yeah. not just inward focused, but open to the world. So so the question is this, right? Here's the question that I want to ask. With everything that we've been talking about in terms of bo- what both of you said in terms of integration, both not doing it backwards or at the highest level you spoke, 
how does viewing science or doing scientific research, which is really what the journal is going to go after in terms of academic study, how do, how does operating from a from a faith perspective at the ground level influence the research? Wouldn't somebody just toss it out right out of the gates and say, "Well, it's just biased um, right out of the gates because because of because of its position"? Um, or how do we how do we how do we approach it? Um, true scientific inquiry and academic research yeah. um, from a genuine faith perspective that honors the scientific method and, and its approach? That's my question. That's a great question. <laughs> um, I mean, so, so I guess my answer would be, look, there, even within you know, psychology, counseling, uh, we recognize diversity. We recognize um, different groups. Um, whether we're, we're cutting along lines of you know, race, race and ethnicity, gender um, religion is one of these diversity groups that we're, we're we're supposed to have cultural competency when working with different groups which counseling is actually trying to get rid of i don't know if you've heard this recently i didn't hear that actually yeah, yeah. i heard someone someone posted this recently that i think in the latest k-crip standards there's some there's some debate or conversation about removing religious competencies as as part of the standards so it's very yeah, interesting that, that would keep be, going yeah, that strikes me as problematic for like a whole bunch of reasons. For a whole but, bunch of reasons, right? not even just for personal because we're Catholic, yeah. but for a whole bunch of reasons. A yeah. whole bunch. But yeah. but part of part of working within a culture um, is understanding that, that that culture has its own values, its own norms, its own language, its own um, uh, goals and ideals. And, and so part of what this journal is and part of the reason, you know, from, from a maybe a secular defense of the journal is something like, look, um, Catholics make up a sizable portion of the U.S. and of the world, and so uh, we have journals of we have we have very specific academic journals for all sorts of different diversity groups. Um, we have journals for um, African Americans. We have journals uh, for Asian Americans. We have journals that work with um, minority uh, groups, like minority groups in, uh, pertaining to sexuality, right? LGBTQ groups. And all of these journals sort of start with the language, the values, the goals that those communities or cultures espouse. And so in some ways, a secular defense to this journal is that it's no different. We're, we're talking about a particular group of individuals, a particular culture. Um, and what we're trying to do is understand that culture from the inside. And there's value to that. There's value to understanding a culture from within its own tradition, from within its own language, from within, within its own ideals and goals. And and so I think in some ways that that's sort of why we wouldn't just say we're starting off biased. I think the defense is something like, no, we're starting off with the language of this cultural group. Um, and that's what all the other journals that are particular to cultural groups or ethnicity groups or um, sexual minorities that's what they all do they they use the language the values the ideals the goals of those groups and we're not doing anything different Larry, yeah, man, what, um, what do you think i definitely agree with that and it's you know it's kind of like we it seems that we have to fight twice as hard to get the the same kind of uh platform as everybody else and it's really about tailoring a a journal that allow us to promote, you know, what we talked about, that human intrinsic value and, and really going out there and allowing to have a place that someone who's looking for the Catholic research, the research done by, you know, Catholics all across the field, you know, are really looking to to forward 
God's agenda here, which is to really show that love and compassion to others. So how we look through psychology and counseling through that lens of love, how do we look at it through that lens of, of being sons and daughters of God? And then how can we use that as a platform to to further our understanding and to continue to have these deep conversations, these thought provoking conversations that help us to not only grow you know, mentally and emotionally, but also spiritually, so that we can see the evidence of God as we work through our with our clients, but as we grow and we develop our counselor selves. Mm -hmm. And so it's this beautiful platform, this beautiful place that we can really focus in and and work on the holistic formation of our Catholic counselors and our psychologists and all those in the mental health field. Because we all know that the mental health field is lacking as it is, right? There's a lot of red tape, there's a lot of different things going on. And it's hard, you know, sometimes to, to be Catholic counselors. It's really hard to be your authentic self in these platforms. And so I, I feel like this journal is a platform for us to really get our needs out there and to come up with solutions and, and allows us to find some answers, maybe not to all of the deep questions, but give us more to chew on. You know, the more we know, the more we know, the more we let the, the more we know, the less we know. Right. And so it's this beautiful process, but it starts with having a platform where, you know, we can have our own journal that we can have our own focus on the problems that, you know, we're facing today. Yeah. So, so, Breaking that up, then you just to, again the I'll answer I'll answer my own question here, which is yeah. um, how do we do it? Well, it, the truth is, it's like it, I think you said this, Matt, earlier. It, it, you didn't say this this you know bluntly, but everybody's got a bias. Every journal yeah. has every journal yeah. has its own value set. That's yeah. kind of what you're saying. Yes. and and so just acknowledging that. And yeah. and you know my qual my 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 doctoral research was qualitative dissertation and you have to lay out right out of the gates um, where you come from and where yes. your perspective is yes. and and that's beautiful because what it acknowledges that like if if me as the observer I'm the instrument you know of the research here then I have to be able to articulate what what my what my perspective is because my perspective is going to influence the way I see the data. For and sure. that's just what it is. And so I, I very much appreciate that from the qualitative research side that it's just humble just to say, listen, this is my perspective. And, and, and so obviously my perspective is going to influence the way that I'm interpreting okay. these, these interviews and the conversations that we've had. Um, that doesn't mean that I'm, that I'm wrong. It just means that you just know where, where I'm coming from. Yeah. And so if you, if you scale that up to the context of a full journal, I mean, it's just a more honest way of, of approaching it, I would say. You know, it's just that this is our perspective. This is our value set. This is how we are we are coming and approaching these yeah. sets of inquiries. Yep. It doesn't negate the inquiry or or diminish it in any way. We're just being honest up front and saying that we have a particular viewpoint and this is what it is and that yep. uh, we're operating from that viewpoint. And so Absolutely. we still have something to offer, um, which honestly is just more honest than with respect to some of the secular researchers who who claim that they don't have a bias, but you have yeah. a bias. Any everybody, they yeah. everybody. The Trojan horse it in, right? It's yeah. sort of it's implicit, or it it's so it can be really subtle, and and so it's pernicious because sometimes it's not openly acknowledged, and so you sort of drink it in, and you take it in uh, unsuspectingly. I think you're right, Mario. We we want to we want to let people know where we're practicing from and and what perspective, what our view is and be open up front because that'll be able to put us in dialogue genuinely with others uh, much more fruitfully. 
Well, it's like yeah. you, you you can't be in genuine dialogue with somebody who's got you know uh, something hidden up their sleeve. Right. It's yes. you know it's yes. like yes. trying to yes. just yes. just yes. like I'm marriage counseling. So it's like you know like a husband and a wife, and husband's like, hey, you know, let's let's get together uh, over the let's do something on Saturday, and 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 maybe she's like, well, I don't you know she's I don't know this is a bad example. I'll stop you know, but like <laughs> before I get myself in trouble here, but you know, but it's just like if, let's put it all on the table. Let's just be honest. Like here's where we come from, and then and then once it's all out there, then yeah. we can actually start talking yeah. and, and, and conversing and trying to figure out the yeah, points. Yeah, he of, wants to go to Lowe's and get tools, right? He, he's yeah, saying, let's go out and hang out, but he really yeah, wants to go to Lowe's and get tools, that's, right? That's, that, you got what I'm trying to yeah, say. Yeah, you you yeah, finished yeah, that. Thanks, right. I appreciate that. You watch it. <laughs> that's exactly yeah. what it is. Yeah. So, so there's that aspect of it, but then there's also, you know, and this is in, in, in the emails when we started talking about what the reason for it, some of the examples that were given up were were honestly some political. And, and I think mm-hmm. this would be just another place where caution or how to navigate this, and I'd like to hear your insights also, where it genuinely is about the faith, but not necessarily, but not just because it's a politically conservative journal either. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. So w- thoughts on that? How, how, do, how do we navigate that aspect of, of this conversation? Yeah, it seems to me that the um, one thing that excites me about the Catholic Psychotherapy Association and, and this it did kick off a little bit over the summer on the um, on the listserv, but but you know with everything going on sort of politically with um, the different protests over the summer related to George Floyd and Maude Arbery, Black Black Lives Matter stuff, critical race theory stuff, um, I think there there's a push on one side uh, that says you have to swallow the stuff wholesale, right and and um, there's a push on the other side that says uh, it's all bad, it's all tainted, it's all Marxism, it's all, right? And what I think we have the opportunity to do in a journal like this is, whereas whereas in the secular journals or the progressive journals, you, you can't do anything but toe the party line. You can't do anything but say, this is all good, I affirm it all, because if you don't, I have a very good friend, a researcher out of uh, UT uh, Austin who, um, publishes in the field or, or at least historically published in the field uh, of looking at same-sex relationships and some of his conclusions weren't particularly favorable um and uh, i mean he ended up they opened public inquiries at the university into his job interdepartmental inquiries um the amount I mean, the journal that published it the editor was fired I mean, so, so there's certain topics that you can't touch. You just can't touch them. They're too politically hot. So unless you're going to toe the party line, you can't touch them. And what I think this journal can be is not just a sort Which, of Which I'm sorry to interrupt you, but that, but that influences research. I mean, you oh can't, gosh, you, you yes, can't say that it's, yes. that it's completely non-biased of course, just yes. because the conclusions you come to. Publish or perish, right? Yeah, publish or perish. I have to publish. Yeah. I need to find results. And by the way, statistics, I, you can cut a pie statistically <laughs> yeah, so yeah. many ways yeah. to get different results right well just in if again going back to just the openness that should be that should exist and we know it just doesn't with respect yes. in, in the majority of the academic community and yeah. and and it's unfortunate because that that agenda then drives um it just drives the research rather than right. the, the rather than the other way around the genuine you know openness of, of if the conclusions might be different and if they're different then let's talk about it you know right. you just don't snuff it out but I think we should be able to talk about, uh, and, and it strikes me as a, a place where we can pursue truth. But above all, I think this journal is going to be a place where we pursue the truth. 
and to be able to ask questions about critical race theory that don't toe the, the, the progressive party line, but might not also um, be the absolute total scathing review that um, sort of certain conservative circles make it out to be. We, we can say like, look, what is, what is the truth here? Is there any truth in it? Um, are there Marxist roots? Is there any truth in Marx at all, right? Um, what can we pull out intellectually from Marx that is worth recognizing as, as true and worth preserving? Where are the glaring errors? So to be able to talk about things like homosexuality, transgenderism, um, uh, race relations, right? The, hopefully this journal will be a place where we can openly talk about these and, and pursue the truth to have real open and robust discussions and say, look, there are problems here, but is there anything, there are problems here, but are, is there anything that our Catholic faith brings to the table that if we, we bring our faith into this, sort of elevates it, heals it, orients it the right way? Um, I think there are, there are things, there are topics we can talk about with much more nuance than the culture can. Um, and so we can come to deeper understanding and truth about it. And we don't have to have just some sort of uh, conservative political backlash to it and say, look, it's all bad. We can actually bring the view and the framework of our faith to bear on it and say, what might it be? What might it look like to baptize this? Right? What might it look like to sort of take away the problematic parts and, and bring to bear some of the Catholic intellectual tradition on it? And that's what excites me is that we'll be able to actually talk about things that are anathema that you, you can't talk about in other journals. Um, but we'll be able to talk about them openly. We'll be able to be critical, hopefully, of them, but we'll also be able to affirm where they're right and see where our faith has something to add or collaborate or correspond to. Or, right? I think we'll be able to have the real conversations about these things in the right way if this journal is, is done well. And I think we have the editors to do it. We have some tremendous editors so yeah there hey, matt i don't know how i'm supposed to like follow that um <laughs> that was the blessed and highly favored that's like you can't, it's just yeah i don't know <laughs> well, one thing i liked what you were talking about it's kind of like the parallel through us right very rarely are people all bad or all good right and so it's kind of like this is a a look into uh our own lives as catholics right so there's gonna be times where we do things we shouldn't do there's gonna be times we, we do things that we should and it's great and so i think it's kind of the same thing here so using the same lens and looking at life how it is right life is messy it's in the gray it's not the black or the white it's in the gray and so having the platform to do that to seek truth above all right is what allows us to find god throughout everything so uh, in, in the Honors College at uh, Houston Baptist University, and we we had a class called Saison's Doubt, and we traced the true, the good, and the beautiful of God from the ancient Israelites all the way through the defragmentation of the 20th century. And uh, that was very interesting, you know, times that you consider the, the dark ages where not a lot happened, but so much happened, right? So many people created these beautiful works of art, and they didn't even sign their names on it, right? Because they wanted God to get the glory. They didn't want to take that glory. And so God is everywhere, right? We know that it is a truth, but God is everywhere. And through this, we were able to see, oh, there's God right there. You can see it. You can see the true, you can see the good, you can see the beautiful, even permeating something that 
at first glance we may have written off when you dive deeper into it you're able to see oh wow there's there's some beautiful truths here and i think that's going to be one of the biggest blessings of this journal is that so many good things will be found that would otherwise have been just thrown out with uh, the baby with the bathwater, right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that's all i'm looking forward to most that's right and it's going to be serious i mean it, it, this isn't going to be um just opportunities for us to write uh sort of personal platform essays, right? About our about our soapbox topics. Um, it's gonna require, right? It's gonna be a peer reviewed journal. And so um, different people with expertise in the field that you're researching are gonna look at it. And we're gonna have theologians who can look at it to make sure what you're saying is sort of theologically sound and accurate. Um, we're gonna have folks who are, who are uh, you know, highly uh, adept at, at statistics we're going to have folks who who have knowledge in particular you know subfields and subdisciplines and it's going to be about seriously pursuing um the truth the true good and the beautiful but with with intellectual honesty with uh, academic rigor um and so i think we'll have some checks and balances in there too to make sure that it doesn't just become um we don't just put out articles that are sort of political mouthpieces for things, right? They're going to have to be serious and they're going to have to uh, pass muster um, theologically, psychologically, uh, statistically, methodologically. Um, so I think we should have, I think I'm, I'm looking forward to us having some really great uh, articles that are, that are more interesting than what you tend to see because we'll, we have access to a, a richer uh, diversity of resources within our tradition. That's correct. Um, yeah. So to be able to pull from that those resources as well is what's going to aid certainly the yeah. the research and the academic inquiry. And and and, and I'm excited. I think it's yeah. it's great. You know, when I finished my dissertation, um, I part of what we were asked to do was to, you know, submit um, our our study for publication. And, and my study was looking at Catholic priests as an attachment figure and and and. You know, I submitted that to the, the to one of the counseling journals, and lo and behold, they didn't pick it up. You know, because they Shocking. didn't. They didn't. And some of it wasn't wasn't even the research was. It was just it, it didn't fit within their yeah. paradigm. They didn't. They, yes. the, the manuscript didn't. They didn't have any context for it. It's like, well, yes. nobody reads our journal for priests, you know, or how yeah. this impacts seminarians. Are you just or, rubbing that in my face that you th- both have finished your dissertation? <laughs> <laughs> We're just a couple years ahead of you, man. You're good. You're good. <laughs> it, we, no, it's actually, it, right? it's just, it's, it's, it's more understanding. We, we, we know your pain right now. You know, yeah. we know, we know where you're in and, and yeah. just trying to give you hope, you know, that there's, there's light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> um, so, so it, so something like this would have been a perfect place to like lay in my yeah. study. You know, yes. it, it would have, it would have fit very nicely, yes. both from, the, the the ability to use both kind of language of uh, resources of our faith and, and the, the the inquiry itself, but then also the context of the conversation, the con- the the particular question that was being asked, you know, like about something pertaining to priesthood, and I think that's what's exciting about it is because now we can actually start applying. And I know you said this is kind of your second piece of integration, but I think that second piece is still needed also. So sure. how do we measure which youth groups actually work or which models sure. actually work? Or like, what are the benefits of this stuff yeah. to the lives of our teenagers? Yes. Um, we, no one's asking these questions. Like yes. we have tools to be able to ask these yes. questions. Yes. Like what's the long-term effects of going to Steubenville conferences on people's yes. mental health? Like these are questions yes. that we have the tools to be able to go inquire about, yes. but there's no place for that research to land. And so I think even at just like a, at a, 
you know, the cultural, I guess, is the, the right word there, you know, context to be able to apply the, the tools that we have from psychological and counseling inquiry, and then being able to use that in these specific contexts that there's a large group of people that those questions would matter. The answer Absolutely. to those questions would be would be very meaningful for them. Right. Um, and our hope is that there is a practical, I mean, Larry's touched on this, you're touching on it, that there's a dimension to this that goes beyond just, um, we don't want to just sort of speak to the academic choir, right? Uh, we want this to have practical import for priests and religious, for youth group leaders, for, so, so this will be the kind of journal that hopefully um, the topics, the articles, they will be serious academic inquiry, but with in a lot of cases, real practical import. Um, so the youth group leader could pick it up and say, hey, these are the five factors that they found were most instrumental in uh, students remaining engaged in their faith post high school, the five factors that were embedded in the youth groups that, that had the highest level of engagement after high school. I mean, that that will be incredibly useful to, to youth ministers. Uh, we were talking about um, a deacon from Scranton, I think before mm -hmm. we went live. Yeah. Um, what what can deacons, priests, religious do to um, best equip uh, their parishes with psychoeducational resources um, to reduce the number of sort of crisis incidents that they see? I mean, these are empirical questions that we can answer and we can hopefully then use to actually make the lives of priests, religious, and lay people better. Awesome. All right, gentlemen. Well, we got to bring this to a close, and this has been just a delightful conversation. So, um, if people are, are interested about what you've been talking about, um, where, where can they get more information? That's awesome. Um, sorry, I, th I didn't hear that as a question. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you said we're going to give them more information. <laughs> where where can, where can they get more information? It was it was a question. That's great. Um, they can go on the Catholic psychotherapy uh, webpage, and from there they can they can go to the journal landing page. And uh, right now it's sort of we we do have a journal landing page, um, but it will be sort of being filled out more and become more robust as time goes on. Um, but a great place to start is just on the Catholic psychotherapy website, and uh, look for the Integratus landing page. We'll do. We'll do. We'll have links to that in the show notes. And so. All right, final question ask all my first time guests and uh, I'll start with you, Larry. What gives you hope? Mm. Gives me hope is the conversation that we had today. The fact that, you know, we kind of had a skeleton and we came in, we were able to do it. We were able to feed off of each other and really just have a, a joyous, intellectual, spiritual conversation that was nourishing to the soul. And so the fact that we can still have those conversations in, in this day and age, and there's hope for future ones, and you know this this brings me hope. Yeah, Amen. Matt, what about you? Yeah, I'm sort of echoing what Larry said. It's it's um, it's seeing the passion of guys like Larry for this sort of stuff. Um, you, Mario. I mean, seeing guys like you who who put the work in week in and week out to have podcasts and to get this information out there who are passionate about educating um, lay faithful about these psychological issues or psychologically related issues. The fact that there's there are people out there who are doing this work, um, who are actively engaged in this work, who are getting PhDs and, and are hungry to pursue this work, and that there's listeners out there who are interested in this, um, that gives me hope. That gives me hope that I see a small but vibrant cohort of people who are we're passionate about this work 
and I think this is a chance to sort of pull the the bushel basket from over the light and let the light shine. Amen. That's beautiful. Yeah. Well, thank you both for joining me on the podcast. God bless you and, and the, the work that you're doing and, and blessings on this endeavor. And uh, may, may, may it just bring tremendous fruit uh, to, to so many people. Thanks, Mario. All right, everybody. Well, that does it for my conversation here with Dr. Brunninger and Mr. Freeney. I hope that you have enjoyed it. It certainly was an in-depth one, the scholarly one that we tried to have here about kind of understanding what it means to have a Catholic psychotherapy and how important it is. And this is stuff that I've been thinking about and praying about for the last 15 years. So it's been great to be able to have today's episode to be able to share it as something very concrete and specific. So I pray that the episode has found you well. Again, if you have enjoyed today's episode and you think you know people who could benefit from this conversation, then please share it with them. Otherwise, send them a message on the socials. Leave a comment, write a review on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, or just, you know, hey, tap somebody be like, hey, I just listened to this great episode and just tell them about it. So every little bit helps certainly to get this show to the ears that need it. And so I'm grateful for all of you, my listeners. Thank you for giving me your time. And I pray that today you may have a wonderful, wonderful day. God bless you all. Be good.